Greetings, fair ghouls and friendly ghosts. Welcome to Give Me Goosebumps. Hosted by your fellow specters as they rediscover and relive the terrors of childhood. But, listeners beware. Actually, (laughs) you know the drill. Hi, I'm May, the moldy old ghost. And I'm Nova, the animatronic that knows your dad's name. And today we have a special guest, my sister, Em. Hi, I'm Em, your favorite Hollywood starlet who died tragically young but haunts your TV with infomercials at 3 (laughs) a.m. And today on Give Me Goosebumps, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite childhood movies, Disney's telefilm, Tower of Terror. Calling it a telefilm makes it sound so much fancier than it is. I'm a, I am love it. Yeah. <laughs> it is a made-for-TV movie from 1997 as part of the Wonderful World of Disney, in quotes, anthology series. It was really uh, just an excuse to put their movies on TV. The first episode of uh, The Wonderful World of Disney was the television premiere of Toy Story. Mm. Other films included Toothless, which was a live-action film with uh, Kirstie Alley as the Tooth Fairy, baby. Kirstie Alley as the Tooth Fairy, uh, H.E. Double Hockey Sticks, and everyone's favorite Tyra Banks film, Life Size. (laughs) I, I I think it might be her only film. (laughs) maybe i don't actually know (laughs) i never watched life size 2 i didn't want to sully the memory the first one was really good (laughs) but these films are just like a a random collection of of disney stuff like tower of terror does not have anything to do with life size so yeah they call it an anthology series but really it was just you know tv movies movies on tv they did a lot of, like, uh, this is where we're going to put our theme park spectacular where we tape the stuff in this mm. block as well. Because I remember, like, that's how I saw Disney World sometimes with the Wonderful World of Disney uh. would just have, like, specials sometimes, too. Yeah, I think that they also did, like, some behind the scenes on park not just parks but like how movies were made too i don't know it played on abc family and like all of the abc brands you know um this film though in particular tower of terror is one of 16 telefilms that they made for the wonderful world of disney which included the other ones that i mentioned earlier this one was directed by dj McHale, who was the creator of are you afraid of the dark so i thought that's fun uh, this movie is loosely based on the ride, which is loosely based on the Twilight Zone franchise. So we got a lot of layers there. Yeah, I love how they say loosely based, but like they do, like it ties in with everything that you see on the ride. The ride shows you those figures, those characters, mm-hmm. and then gives you context in the movie. So I say I think that saying loosely is very funny because it is based off the ride. I would agree with the assessment of loosely based on Twilight Zone, though. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Rod Serling is there, but he passed before the ride. So it is um, someone doing an impression of him, but that Mm -hmm. impression was approved by um, Rod Serling's wife. 
So I thought that was nice that they like went to her for casting. Mm-hmm. Like she was apparently very involved when they were making, when they were putting uh, Rod Serling's image and everything in the ride. Significantly less ghoulish than the stuff everybody be trying to pull now. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so true. Mm. I think loosely is just like Disney saving ass, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like you, you can't, can't come for us. We said loosely. We said loosely, guys. So, because I think, well, ultimately, this whole like Tower of Terror funnel, it, it makes sense just because Tower of Terror in the first place, when like that was introduced in Disneyland as a Twilight Zone ride, everyone's like, what does this have to do with Disney? So, kind mm-hmm. of filling out that weird funnel of like, also, this being kind of one of the first, their first movies to ever be about a theme park ride. A lot of this is just testing the waters, you know? Yeah, exactly. It was testing the waters for, for like a bunch of movies that came out right after. I never mm-hmm. saw the Mission to Mars movie, but that was 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you recall the the Country Bears mm-hmm. live action movie. Oh, you know, God. I would prefer not to. <laughs> um, and then, you know, like to this day, Jungle Cruise just came out. So yeah. obviously it was enough of a success that they decided to keep making attraction movies, which, you know, I'm glad we got the Haunted Mansion 2003. And then Pirates of the Caribbean, huge movie franchise. And I do have to point out that because we get another Haunted Mansion, Owen Wilson cannot make Wedding Crashers 2. So ultimately, I think this is a good thing. (laughs) Like, do I want to see this remake with Scarlett Johansson? God, Absolutely no. not. God, no. And uh, I believe Disney's done it again um, in that they just straight up deleted it. It's not available on Disney Plus because they have a reboot in the works. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there's more notable examples than under wraps, but that's the one that gets me going. I mean, good news is, uh, assuming it doesn't get taken down, uh, you can watch it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Someone uploaded the whole thing. Hint, hint, I'm saying that. It, wink. Go watch it. It's a, <laughs> it's a good time. It is, you know, for a TV movie, though, it honestly, I think it slaps. I think yeah. that like the effects were pretty good for the 90s. Mm-hmm. And like the writing is there. And I mm-hmm. like I think it's fun. And I don't think it's childish either. Like, it takes itself pretty seriously. Yeah, in in all, like, purposes, you know, I consider this to be one of the first horror movies I ever watched. Because uh, it's, it's definitely not scary now. But as a kid, I was like, I thought it was scary shit. I mean, and then I would later, a few years later, try to watch a real mo- horror movie and be like, no, I'm <laughs> going to my room. That is too scary for me. Um, yeah, but this I one, know that that was the ring. Was the <laughs> ring. <laughs> Five minutes in, I was like, I'm going to my room. Because <laughs> Similarly, I watched Psycho and I was like, I can watch horror movies now. That wasn't scary. And then I turned around and watched the ring and was like, actually, I'm very scared. <laughs> but this was definitely like what I would consider like an introduction to like horror because it you know it's a kid's movie and like a kid is dead yeah that's pretty scary (laughs) yeah go just the idea of ghosts you know that's scary elevators in general scary yeah uh one last note i want to make about the ride which i think is important to know is that the little pre-show video with you know rod serling's image 
was directed by Joe Dante, who did Gremlins, but most importantly, a few episodes of Erie, Indiana. It's all connected. (laughs) (laughs) Come in full circle here on the podcast. Absolutely. Let's start with the plot, maybe. I will. Uh, yeah, I wrote down a a brief s- summary. Oh, please. Uh, let me know if uh, if this works for you guys. I can uh, give you wow. the line off of IMDb as well. It's one sentence. <laughs> yeah, you go first. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, a disgraced reporter investigates an abandoned luxury hotel where five people mysteriously disappeared 60 years ago. <laughs> I guess theirs is uh, more concise or whatever, but mine is (laughs) wacky uncle with nothing going for him (laughs) ends up exploiting and endangering his niece's life (laughs) by exploring a haunted tower with some random people he just met. There are ghosts, period. Yes. Yeah. And the ghosts are real. I can't believe this only has a 6.2 on IMDb. It should have at least a 7. At least. <laughs> Do they not know it's a TV movie? <laughs> and when with Steve Gutenberg, no less. He plays Uncle Buzzy, you know, a normal, a normal name for an adult male. They never tell us his full name either. He's just Buzzy. Yeah, professionally, he's known as Buzzy. Like, he comes on to his boss... And gets rejected for a story. And personally. (laughs) In one swoop. Yeah. And she's just like, I'm sorry, Buzzy. And I'm like, me too. I would not take this man seriously. And then his uh, niece is played by Kirsten Dunst. And her name is Anna. Very sensible. Um, Aside from that, we have two more, uh, three more living characters. Um... Buzzy's boss slash love interest, evil, awful, um, and unnecessary. Her name is Jill Perry. I do appreciate that they all have first and last names. Sometimes with lower budget films, like the stories and characters are just not well developed enough for them to even give a shit. Other living characters, we have Abigail Gregory, who is an older woman and she believes in ghosts and she wants to stop the curse that's happening on this tower and we don't really know her connection at the beginning Mm -hmm. uh yeah no she is the reason that um buzzy's clued into this story it's gonna be his big break to make him like a respectable journalist again and it has to do with ghosts so (laughs) i don't understand his reasoning but um lady abigail once once this tower investigated uh when they go to the tower they meet one of our other living adults uh what cube q yeah like the letter q for quartermaster q todd and he is the bellhop's grandson the bellhop who died the night of the crash of the elevator so other ghosts that died that night i, I got- think mm-hmm. i think we should uh, yeah you're getting ready to go into it. i was like i think we should pause and just briefly mention who's actually on this elevator because we forgot (laughs) to do like the setup to the movie and why everybody was like in the elevator the whole plot there is like they're going to a party and then yeah and like struck by lightning and the elevator crashes and then the hotel is shut down well and they all disappear 
Um, that's a a big like it's a it's a paranormal thing because yeah. Um, and the people on the elevator were of note, so everybody was just like, "Whoa!" You know? Yeah. <laughs> big deal. So on the elevator, we have starlet Sally Shine, who's obviously you know a Shirley Temple sort mm-hmm. of caricature character. Uh, we have her nanny, Emmeline Partridge. We have the lounge singer slash actress, Claire Poulet. And then we find out her real name is Carol- Caroline Croston. Carolyn. I think. Carolyn Croston. Uh, her actor slash soon-to-be fiancé, even though they have no chemistry <laughs> whatsoever. And you have no idea that they're even dating until the very end anyway. Gilbert London. And he's just an asshole the whole movie. He really is. Upon first view through, I literally thought that the actor and like the uh, singer were th- were uh, Sally's parents. So that's mm-hmm. how little they did to like let me know what was going on with that yeah. relationship. They really are just yeah. the innocent people who died as well, you know. Yeah. So we get to hang out with her a little bit, but the guy is just there to make smartass remarks. Yeah. To be mm-hmm. honest. And honestly, um, she's she's just there to be head on. Oh God, yeah, she's there to be the um, the love triangle for Buzzy <laughs> on the other side of Jill because Jill doesn't want him anymore. <laughs> uh, last but not least, in the elevator, we have the bellhop Dewey Todd, grandfather of Q. Um, and yeah. that that's it for the the main cast. Of course, there's like a couple of side characters who come in and out, but they're not important. This is the main cast. Mm-hmm. Where do we begin with this story? Everybody's trying to go to a party on Halloween. You know it's a Halloween movie when they name drop Halloween <laughs> as many times as possible. Um, not only is it Halloween, it is also Abigail's birthday. And there's a big old banging, uh, you know, what's it called? Swiggin'. Big jazz swing. (laughs) Up at the tip top club, you know, up at the tippy top of the building. The 12th floor. And um, they die right before the party. Every year on Halloween, the ghosts can hear the party playing, but only until 8.05 p.m. And you go, wow, that's crazy. Uh, I guess we find out a little bit of a reason for that later when we find out why there's a party. But... Mm. So Abigail is the sister, we find out, of Sally Shine. Sally Shine being the famous starlet. And you think for, you know, the beginning of the movie, maybe she wants to, like, put these ghosts to rest. She's blaming Emmeline Partridge, the evil nanny, for casting a black magic spell on her. This is why they go to the hotel, to find the book of spells. Mm -hmm. They find it. They bring it back to her. She's And then she sends them on a quick side quest to get a bunch of items from the people in the elevator which they never get which they never get (laughs) i also want to point out that it's like so obvious in that first moment that this is not this is not like the answer to the question because it's like oh no she must have cast the spell with only a lock of sally's hair therefore it only affected sally and no one else therefore because there were other people they all got zapped into nowhere instead of into hell Mm. uh i guess um we could undo the spell by like finding those four other items what listen i'm no 
Which, but that doesn't sound right. That that sounds like finishing the job to me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so they get the bellhops hat. Um, They have a lock of hair. What's very funny to me is they have Emmeline Partridge's, uh, the nanny's handkerchief, and then they still go find an item for her, and they find her little glasses. Mm -hmm. So they have two things for Emmeline, nothing for the singer Claire Poulet or Gilbert. But they have Dewey's hat. But they have Dewey's hat, so everything's fine. They have everything. <laughs> no people? Who cares? But it's also, just like, this didn't solve the problem then. I'm wondering if there are deleted scenes and they just... <laughs> they were like, cut for time. It has to be an hour and a half tops. This is a TV movie. I, I think so, because ultimately they really speed run like the part where he's trying to get pictures and stuff. I feel like that had more to it at one point because he really just snaps a couple pictures and then he forgets how to use a camera (laughs) yeah every time he sees a ghost or something spooky he doesn't know how to use his camera even though his whole thing is that he's like a journalist and you start the movie with him making these elaborate photo setups of like fake aliens and stuff to sell to the press Mm -hmm. he's obviously a photographer why doesn't he use his damn camera not even once (laughs) Like, past the part where he's, like, taking photos of Claire in her little nanny outfit, he never uses that camera again. I I think the whole, I get, I guess, explanation for that would be that he has never actually seen any paranormal stuff, because he's a con yeah. job. Like, he's never seen a ghost. He fakes everything with his niece, Anna. So, like, I guess contextually, it's like, oh, he is so nervous because he's seeing this for the first time and he's like yeah, he's hard so to believe that he cannot uh, use his thumbs. He cannot press a button on a camera. And I do think it's fun because I at the end they're like we're going to break this news out into the world. It's going to be his big hit. Uh, how After everything he's been doing in his career for the past few years, no one's going to believe him. Oh yeah, because spoiler alert Abigail dies, so there goes his witness. No. <laughs> yeah, he's one witness. <laughs> so, so the ghosts try and scare them off when they first come to the hotel because, you know, snooping people, and then they turn around and they go, oh, we want to help you. Um, and they say yes. <laughs> and they say yes. Um, I mean, specifically, Anna really wants to help. Steve Gutenberg is now in love with this yeah. ghost woman, and he's he forgotten all his past. Of her and her alone, and that's his new like life purpose. And then Q, while he's very, very, very invested in this building and in his, you know, familial ling- lineage, does he own the building? I, it's okay. It so feels his like grandfather, his great grandfather, owns the building. Okay, his so grandfather it's- was the bellhop, All so right. he. Is- like the next in line but I don't understand I think the only reason that like I think he owns the building and that's why he shows up as sort of like a groundskeeper yeah. kind of character because like he does own it he's just too scared to go inside because it's haunted but that's also Mood. probably like he can't sell it because it's haunted or something mm-hmm. yeah, you know can't do anything with it it's a haunted old scary building it's but then that, you know, he becomes part of this and he helps sort of like send them over to the other side and the building is you know, clear again. It's like, okay, 
Ready to go. <laughs> where does he get the money? Uh, where do you get the money to fix this whole From hotel? this story. This story this that broke. <laughs> and everybody believes in ghosts now. That's how hotels work, you know? I really like another thing that doesn't really make sense is Jill does not believe in the paranormal. She wants nothing to do with Buzzy and his stories and stuff. She fires him. She's like, I never want to see you again. She hides from him in the office. All kinds of big old no. Like she does not want to be around this guy anymore. I mean, she literally fires him and then turns around and goes, okay, Abigail Gregory, I'm going to look into this story now. Why? She has no motive. Because she just thinks he's nuts. And then she's the one who, like, cracks the the case of Abigail and her sister Sally. Which we find out Abigail actually hated Sally. And she was jealous of her. And everything was always about Sally. And even on her birthday, Sally was going to a party and it was all about her. So she used, it wasn't Emmeline. Surprise! Mm-hmm. It was Sal. It was it was Abigail cursing Sally with black magic. And you'll never believe this, but she wants to complete the ritual. Oh, God, she wants to finally, absolutely send her sister what to hell. It's been what day is that again? Years. What day is this happening again? Halloween. <laughs> oh shit! Okay. <laughs> um. So they they. Anna eventually does, you know, she goes and finds Sally who, or Sally, oh my god, I keep mixing their names up. She finds Abigail performing the spell to completion, doesn't stop her, even though she hears her the whole time. At any point, she could have been like, hey, what are you doing? And stop her from doing this. She lets her finish the spell. And then she's like, what did you do? It's too late. And then she goes in the elevator with the ghosts. Also, Q fix the elevator. It's all yeah, coming together. They have to get up to that party. They are convinced they get up to that party. They can. That's their unfinished business, basically. Yeah, they got a so party. has been stuck at eleven all these years, um, which also doesn't make any sense. How they can't the walk up the stairs. They can't go up the stairs. There's a barrier that stops them. So if they can just make it to twelve. Mm-hmm. And so you know, Q gets the power going. He fixes the main elevator, so it comes back down and it goes back up again. Also, the while Abigail is performing her little spell, which is sort of why everything is also coming back together and working, because she's she has started the storm again that crashed their elevator the first time. And they use the maintenance elevator to go up and save Anna. And then Abigail and her sister have like this little moment of reconciliation where she's like, I forgive you for killing me 60 years ago. Here's a bracelet. (laughs) And then just to, you know, really rub it in uh, that Abigail made a real bitch move. They're like, it was your party. This is your your birthday party. What? I didn't know it was my party. Of course you didn't know it was your party. You were like eight years old. They were having a surprise party for you. That's how surprise parties work. Also, you killed your sister before it could happen. So that's how you didn't know. It's because you never got to your party because you killed your sister. So they get... They both end up, both groups end up in elevators, and they, thank God, they're dropping, because right as they drop, they make up, and then um, Abigail just dies. Abigail (laughs) 
disappears. Both of the elevators magically disappear safely on the first floor. Everyone's fine. All of the ghosts are in their elevator, including Sally now. Abigail's still nowhere to be found. (laughs) They offer all of the living people a ride up to the tip-top tower, and they decide, no, no, no. I almost died just now. We'll take the stairs. 12 Mm. stories. (laughs) I would have taken the elevator, I think. Take the the maintenance elevator. Take the maintenance elevator. I would just get in with the ghosts and be like, look, we just did a whole hour of this shit. It's got to be safe now, right? (laughs) Whatever. So you were about to die in the crash and then we didn't die. So that makes me think this is probably fine now. Yeah, I'm not going (laughs) to reward myself with living by just going upstairs. (laughs) <laughs> there's no party that's worth 12 stories of steps so i understand why they feel cursed they're probably also dying trying to walk up those steps <laughs> so we get up to the party they make it they've arrived uh sally sees her parents again now that the nanny has safely given sally to her parents she disappears too The bellhop is back with his dad, who's the owner of the hotel, and they wave goodbye to their grandson slash great grandson, Q. And Apole gets to sing. She gets to sing. Her British boyfriend actor asshole, who's mean, who was mean to Sally for sixty years. uh, He was also so mean to the bellhop for no fucking reason. So mean to all of them. Like, I don't even think he was nice to her. He was like, yeah. oh, so you can come make a grand entrance now, huh? And then he, anyway, he, they have no chemistry. There's one moment where they dance waiting for the elevator and that's it. And then he proposes to her. She says, yes, they do not kiss. And then they disappear. Yeah, yeah. that was his unfinished business. <laughs> that was his unfinished business. They really were like, well, I guess we should have five people in the elevator. And I guess we'll just connect him to her. And that, you know, like, it just felt like they did not have anything for this man. They were like, oh, man, what if somebody's sad that um, Pole goes back and she doesn't have a boyfriend now because she was in love with Steve Gutenberg's character? What if she is lonely now? And then some exec was like, fuck, shit. Fine, she can be with that guy. <laughs> well- g- give her a boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, I think it's also the they're kind of like working with the material that they were given because, like we said, loosely based after the ride. You know, the ride is five people on an elevator, and yeah, I think like okay, so there's a lady, there's a guy, there's a little girl, like there's there's the woman who could be her nanny. Yeah, and so they're kind of just like, how do we like create sensible characters that also would make sense in terms of like all all of these people in an elevator together like yeah so i just i think it's fine that he was like like an actor and he's an asshole i think that all works for him it's the fact that they try and do the engagement thing at the very end that's so tacked he could have so they should have peppered in some more things or maybe him being i don't want to see him being jealous but like he could have at least been like wow why are you with this man yeah like back off Steve Gutenberg. They finished their business. So the party's over. And then we see Abigail as her child farm and she says thank you. And then she and her sister Sally disappear. And they're off to heaven. Um, so Abigail's dead. Yeah, <laughs> Abigail's dead now. Um, nobody. There goes his only witness. Um, despite 
the hotel closing down because of mysterious disappearances. They're able to open it up, even though Abigail just mysteriously disappeared. And now it's raging, just like in the 20s. And everybody makes fat bank. And, don't worry everyone, Buzzy got the girl. That's right. We forgot that the, <laughs> that his boss was in this film. Yeah. They kiss in the elevator, the elevator opens, they come out, and you're like, oh god, okay, well, I guess we are just, sure, why not? Just jumping a little back to Abigail being dead um, randomly <laughs> at the end. I don't get that because I, sorry, I was just sitting here trying to think of, like, how old is she supposed to be? Because we know that, you know, originally, it, the original club, they all disappear in 1939. And huh, it's been 60 years. It's been or 60 roughly years. Because anyway, this movie came out in 97. <laughs> yeah. So, but the thing is, also, she's like approximately, I think, 10, probably, when, like, in that, in the flashback. We could even say, like, maybe, I would maybe even go, like, 12. But that would make Sally her, like, 72, which is not that old. Even if you make her, like, she's obviously not a teen. She's got to be 12 or 13. 13 tops. You know what yeah. I mean? And then her sister was probably, Did- you know, 10, 11, 12, a little bit yeah. younger than her. Yeah, they said uh, when they were touring, that Jill was touring her, I, I guess she's staying at, like, a facility that she's been there since she was 10. Yeah, at first I think you're, I, I feel like, is there a point in this where they called it a sanatorium? I mean, it's implied, it's implied, and they have, like, the yeah. one jump scare with the <laughs> other patient. I mean, at first you think maybe it's, like, an old folks' home, and then, no, it's... it's She's been I living... Think it's so it's some sort of facilitated facility. living. But, yeah, so what what we're calculating is that at, she's approximately in her 70s uh when she just dies and nobody thinks twice about it um no what about the place she lives in like they're not going to think about the fact that she disappeared they don't give any fucks they just let that lady in there who knew nothing about her and then they left her alone she was like oh you don't know you're here for abigail's birthday but you don't know that her sister was famous actress sally shine okay if you don't even know that much then maybe you don't know her at all like this woman's coming in holding like a a wrapped book or something (laughs) something and she's like asking questions like she obviously doesn't know this person yes and then he just leaves her alone and she goes through all her shit (laughs) so like this man he's not a good perfect healthcare professional huh no they should get their license taken away that's not how you run a facility the like, 90s just had to pop into a mental health place, like, every chance they got. They were mm-hmm. like, shit, we need to pad this movie out. Because it happens in Good Burger, too. And I'm just <laughs> like, where did this come from? Oh my god. I did not, did not remember that. I guess that would make sense, though. Uh, what else is exciting to know about this? Besides Steve Gutenberg. And Kirsten Dunst. Uh, people will know Claire Poulet, the actress Melora Hardin from The Office as Jam. Mm-hmm. And the uh, little girl who plays Sally was the voice actress and singing actress for the little girl in Cats Don't Dance. So I think that's very fun too. She essentially played, you know, mm-hmm. the same character, but good and evil. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think her more notable role is uh, Corey Matthews' sister in Boy Meets World. 
Um, oh, that's fun. Yeah, I didn't know that. And then <laughs> um, you might not recognize the guy who played Dewey Todd, but he is cousin It in Adam's family. Oh, fun! Oh. And all Adam's like, I mean, and of course, his face is never shown in Adam. Adam's that's family. why you wouldn't know. He's just a little guy. But he's just a little guy, and he is. He is small. He is a short king, and that's why also we all hate the rich man. Because he just makes fun of him for being short. And you know what? Yeah. We stand with short kings. We absolutely do. Um, gosh, is there anything else? You know, this was a trial and error movie, like we said before, of, like, trying new things, first movie about a ride. So they definitely thought the Steve Gutenberg, he was, he was big, and we really don't hear from him nowadays um, in anything. Uh, so... They probably thought, you know, 1997, oh, Steve Gutenberg, he will bring everyone in. And then the same way that the Tower of Terror was built in uh, Disneyland, everyone's like, yeah, I do not care. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Me as a child going to the, the Tower of Terror for the first time was very exciting, but I did not know or care about Twilight Zone. I was just like, yeah, mm. baby, drop me. Free sticker. Yeah. I got a sticker because we... I, we had like a cousin or something in town and we went and Emily would not go on the ride. She was too scared. Fair enough. Yeah. I did it one time. I feel ya. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I love it. I went on it a bunch of no. times, uh, but they gave us stickers that said I survived and it had lightning bolts and God, I wish I still had it. I like stuck mm -hmm. it to a notebook that got thrown away. I guess. That's cute yeah. though. Yeah. I, I went on it a lot later. I, I love it. I, I still have my... I still have my, um, before it closed in California to become Guardians of the Galaxy, I did buy, um, like, a bunch of souvenirs. I think I have a shot glass somewhere, uh, Hollywood Tower Hotel, and then I have the t-shirt. We both have the t-shirt. We both you have the You can only shirt. use the shot glass from 8 to 8.05 p.m. And then it disappears. And then it disappears, yeah. Um, funny story, or... You know, Disneyland sells those shot glasses as toothpick holders, you know? Yeah. <laughs> toothpick holders. But, uh, yeah, I was definitely a big fan of this ride afterwards. But you know what? I'm sorry, four-year-old me only wanted to meet Winnie the Pooh, and that's why I was at Disneyland, so... <laughs> Love you, say four. You were like ten. Okay, <laughs> okay. It's okay. I I hope that at that during that trip you got to meet Winnie the Pooh. I did. I don't remember. You guys went on Smash Mountain, and I got to meet Winnie the Pooh. And it's the best day of my life. Okay. Good. I'm glad it was memorable for you. I had two stickers. It was oh. great for me. Too. <laughs> um. A lot of the movie is filmed either at uh, the actual ride in mm -hmm. Florida or in Burbank. So, mm -hmm. two sides of the country. Let's see. What other trivia do I have for you? Steve Gutenberg and Nia Peoples, who plays his love interest, would co-star in another TV movie together in 2050's La Valanchula. Mm. <laughs> oh, Em, you had you had something you wanted to bring up earlier, and I feel like it falls into this hodgepodge uh, trivia section. If you wanted to share some dating news, oh me, me, yeah, oh yeah, yes. okay. So Kirsten Dunst and uh, is 
Oh, Kirsten Dunst is dating Jesse Plemons, and they have both starred in movies about Disney rides. Kirsten Dunst in Tower of Terror, of course, in 1997, up to most recently, Jesse Plemons is in Jungle Cruise. So, you know, a little, that's a little another full circle moment, you know? True love. True love. They're both in movies about rides, I guess. Yeah. And they both go to Disney World, just share a little, like, wink. Yeah. Yeah. property. <laughs> I hope they, um, I mean, Jesse, I, I, I'm sure the residuals for this movie is not great for Kirsten, but, you know, <laughs> I, I hope they, they, they should at least get, like, lifetime Disney passes. For being a, know, right? a movie about a Disney ride. I feel like that's With the rides still functioning in several parks as like, this. You, it's like, a that should be like a free for the rest of your life kind of thing. It's like, I was in the movie. Okay, come, come on in. Right? You have to at least get a lifetime pass if you work for that bastard. I also feel like if, if Kirsten Dunst showed up at Disney and was like, hey, let me in, they would just let her in. Because I would hope so. I mean, I would let her in, so... Here's the, here's the thing. On one hand, uh, if I have to pay $150, they should have to pay $300. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Rich people should have to pay more than me. They should not get things for free. Um, but also, I understand celebrity culture. Yeah. That's just... The perk of being a celebrity is just free shit. Yeah. Like, that's just it. So I'm sure that if any of these actors were like, hey, let me into Disney. Disney would be like, okay, and just open the gate. So I do have a friend who works at Disney, <clears throat> and they do have, like, a little special unit to, like, take care of celebrities and visit the yeah. park. It also, I think, works the opposite way, where if you get somebody coming in extra entitled, they can just be like, no, you can't come in anymore. Oh, well, I'm sure, because, like, there is, there are standards for conduct and stuff at Disney, uh, too. I want to ban you know? some people so bad. I don't want to, <laughs> but I'd like to. I will never forget that kid who was staring. I think oh, it was a time that... Yeah, yeah it's it you me. Right? Yeah, it was the kid who was, like, gnawing on the rope. <laughs> giving me dirty looks for being in a wheelchair. <laughs> Haunting. So he got, God, um, yeah. So the kid got banned? What? No, no, he didn't ban. We would, though. Oh. I would. I would ban that apparent. I'd be like, you're not watching your kid bite the rope? <laughs> so gross. That is true stink, stink eye at mobility mm-hmm. aids. This child was staring daggers and then started gnawing. Like, as <laughs> if to assert his dominance. It was <laughs> Not to be, you know, talk about the current you know, atmosphere of Disney, but, like, this is why Disney, like, you know, I love Disney and their Disneyland's open, but, like, the the fact that people are wearing masks, there's definitely a child still gnawing on those ropes happening, because children are gross. Children are gross, they don't have any, like, I understand it's just because they're kids. Like, they they just don't have any sense about it, like, about the virus and keeping a mask on and stuff. It was the whole... I saw a joke a while ago and it's not like a joke because it would happen of like why we can't have kids go back to elementary school in the middle of COVID is like because they would go and be like oh my god you're wearing a Batman mask I'm wearing a Superman mask let's switch yeah <laughs> like you know kids don't they don't have a concept about this kind of like safety stuff like kids are mm-hmm. dirty they touch the dirt and they put bugs in their mouth and stuff it's, it's just gremlins and I say this fondly 
you know? But, you know, right now, the amusement parks just shouldn't be open. Right now, there's a child gumming the safety bar at the Orlando (laughs) Tower of Terror. I just know it. I feel Mm -hmm. it. I sense it. Tingling, you know? (laughs) That's, uh, I'm not psychic, but, you know, I can just. But I know. There's a kid out there putting something in his mouth that should not be in their mouth. (laughs) Yep. Um, I have two more little trivia bits, and then we can do, like, some last thoughts. Yeah, uh, yeah I have a question after these bits, baby. Oh, yeah, Ooh. gotta have a question. Unlike the theme park attraction, this film has no connection to the Twilight Zone 1959 series. Coincidentally, though, Amzie Strickland, who played Abigail, did have a minor role in one of the episodes mm. of the Twilight Zone original series, which I think is very cool. Yeah, uh, she was in "The Monsters Are Due" on Maple Street, which I think is like a notable episode. I I don't I remember. Feel like I've heard that's one of the race, that. one of the ones where they're like, "Embracism is bad, guys." <laughs> oh my god, that's crazy! I'm not entirely sure though. But I'm pro. I have a fifty-fifty yeah. shot of being correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Melora Hardin, who played Claire Poulet, did sing. Um, I figured it was her because I was. Last time I watched this movie, I was like, yeah, it does sound like her. But I always like to find out for real. Mm-hmm. So which, she did sing. Which we can, then, we can then be like, yeah, she also sang in Threat Level Midnight, too. So good detective work. <laughs> Answered some decades old, old questions for me, personally. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. I'm so glad that I, I contributed to your knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, can I ask y'all something as sisters? Yes. yes. Would you curse each other? Like, have you ever been pissed off enough to just <laughs> fucking saw a head off of a doll that looks like your sister and just do black magic? Like, at any point in your life. At any point in your life, okay? Go for it. I Tell don't me. think there was ever a point that I, like, hated you that much. <laughs> My god. Um, the thing is, I, like, I wouldn't, but also, like, that this movie actually made me laugh because, you know, Sally Shine as a doting younger sister is like, oh, you killed me? Well, I forgive you. I would do that too. I think if you tried to kill me, <laughs> I would just I forgive you. Sister-younger sister dynamic there for sure. And like, there is always that like in media and I guess to some extent in real life, you know, older siblings being overshadowed by their younger siblings, like that kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. But like, I would never curse you to die. <laughs> I think there's like a lot of like she probably had to, like, that sounds like a lot of work, you know? Like, figuring <laughs> out spells. Figure out how that works. Like, where did she In the, the 30s, too. And then, yeah, like, so it was even more taboo, and she couldn't just Google it. And then also, she accidentally, like, kills all these other people. I would feel so bad. Like, I was like, oh, damn, I just meant to kill my sister, but I killed all these random people. And but then instead, she's like, well, I guess I have to kill all five of them, send all five of them down to hell, and it's been 60 years, and I'm still like, yeah, I'll do it. Like, I mean, seek therapy, Abigail. Well, that's what I guess she's trying to do with the sanatorium, but it's not working. <laughs> it's because they don't care. She needs to go to a better facility. Um, <laughs> they're really not doing her any justice, because the fact that she can just keep a secret layer in her trunk that has just like her ripped off doll head and like like I guess it's like photos with like blood and how she went like she's ripped up or written on or scratched out the yeah. face or whatever. Like that shouldn't be 
like something that you could do in a facility. Like you shouldn't be able to hide that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know. I don't own that a facility. But no, dude. Because like all of this stuff, like she, the first time you meet her, she holds up like a Time magazine that yeah. says 1939 in the cover. Like all this stuff that has been destroyed she's had her whole life she's had it for 60 years like she's had that doll for 60 years and no one no one thought to no like one no actually housekeeping um, or anything i think that i like to pretend that the doll was like a recent gift from somebody <laughs> working there because um as you brought up in your um intro m and we kind of talked about beforehand shirley temple really did haunt a specific part of our lives mm. and mm-hmm. I know that they re-released like a talking doll during that time period too so I just like to think about Abigail just trying to vibe and then Animal Crackers just keeps playing and somebody gets her a fucking doll <laughs> and it just yeah. kind of reunites the whole thing <laughs> like what if, what if she was just chill for a second and then she just fucking snapped because she heard one too many of her dumbass sister's songs. <laughs> yeah. She heard animal crackers in her soup one more <laughs> time and she lost it. She snapped. Huh. Yeah, she heard that loop-de-loop and she was like, that's <laughs> it. I'm gonna kill someone. Yeah. I hate to say it, but that contextually I think makes a lot of sense, you know? <laughs> I mean, it, it, the movie kind of hints that she's been like holding this grudge and she's never been able to get over it, which is some real crazy person shit. Like, she and they don't, they're like, whatever. She's just this crazy person, you know. They're not doing anything about she's it. Just an old loon. If someone gave her uh, that doll and she's like, "All right, time to finish what I started," that's I don't know. That's like a solid misdirect there. Hmm. Hire me to write your movies. I got something percolating up Honestly, here. Honestly, ScarJo, let Nova write Tar Terror Reboot. Oh, thank you so much. I promise that I'll make your lack of um, inflection work for you, and Ooh. I'll write something in for Colin Jost. I know you're listening to the podcast. <laughs> well, the thing is, Colin Jost was meant to play like a haunted belt man. Oh, no, he's not meant to play anything, baby. He cannot do Uh, a single reaction. It's like watching, like, a soggy piece of bread (laughs) react to things. He's just like, there's a cat and a a mouse, and I'm trying to get married, and this cartoon cat and mouse are just running around. Stop them. Oh, I totally, I didn't watch the Tom and Jerry movies. (laughs) I was just like, I, I don't think I've ever seen him act. Um, oh god, yeah, no. Val and I did just because we thought it would be a funny bit, so I have seen the movie. <laughs> and I can promise you, if he was gonna be in this, in my adaption, he would be some wallpaper. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I mean, he's forgettable, you know? You look uh, away, yeah. you're like, who? Who was I um, it's it's uh, Colin Jost and his really tiny mouth and his Harvard degree. Oh, oh no! <laughs> Woe is me. He's here. Tough he comes. Lesson. He's he's gonna explain racism to me. <laughs> um, May, would you like to share your extra inspired casting decision? I know we spitballed a lot of things, but there is one thing we can all agree on: the bellhop 
can, will, and must be played by Sean G.M. Brown. I hope I said said his last name right. He's the the boy from the Goldbergs, and he's the only one for me that can do this role. He's the mm-hmm. only one. He's short our collective king. son and short king. All right. Last thoughts. Um, it's fun. I tried to force everyone at a sleepover to watch it. Um, when I was like ten. Um, and you're right. You're right. That's a good sleepover thing. We watched it when I visited. I don't. Yeah. I don't think I actually watched it at my sleepover because I maybe like my mom came in and was like, "Okay," but other people don't want to watch it. Only you do, and I'm like, "Well, my sleepover." Um. <laughs> I do. I do also wait. I do want to say one more thing. So, um, M and I's mom worked for Disney when we were younger in merchandising, uh, and would bring home, you know, like the test, not test copies, but you know, like pre-release <laughs> copies of of VHSs and puppets and whatnot. And so we did own the VHS copy of Tower of Terror. Mm. Uh, that was, you know, for Disney people only. And so halfway through the movie, it would go black and white for like a yeah. minute. And then like, it would scroll across the screen, like for Disney employees only, for Disney employees only, for Disney employees only or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish I still owned it. I really, I really do. I don't have any clothing, closing thoughts, simply just let me write the new one. I promise I can make it work. And if you really want to pay me enough, I'll make you a whole cinematic universe. I don't got anything better going on. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that they should let you do it. Yeah. So if you want to follow us on social media, we're at GMGB Podcast. If you want to email us slash Franz, you can email us at gmgbpodcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram. Uh, M, would you like to drop your projects? Yeah. Po- Do you have any plugs? This is the plug light yeah. zone. Uh, I, I think my dose most notable um you know, I have another podcast in the the family. I do a podcast called Filling in the Blanks, where me and my dad review movies, and they're short, like fifteen minute episodes where we talk about movies. Uh, but my dad forgets a lot because he'll take an edible and just fall asleep um, during most. It's of a them. delight. It's a delight. <laughs> it's a good time, and you can find that at Filling Podcast on Twitter, and then everywhere where you. Find, listen to podcasts on Spotify or directly through um, Apple Podcasts or Anchor. It's Filling in the Blanks, a movie review podcast with my father. So go follow that and, and give give it a listen. We'll, we would appreciate it. Um, and we also will take movie suggestions. Um, Maybe. Force my, no, I'm, I, it's going to happen. <laughs> Uh, Rugrats in Paris. Can't wait. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think that's gonna work, but you know, eventually maybe. Alright, I think that wraps it up. Yep, into the pit where we keep all our guests. Um, there are snacks, and we will let you outside. If I don't, it's fine, you know, snacks. I'm chillin'. Until next time, stay strange. And we'll see you on the other side.